0: Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find Hope in the Heart of Family Life with us. Welcome to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I am your host, Alicia Stickles. I'm also the executive director of No Heart Left Behind. And I'm here once again with the awesome our own version, dear Abby founder, uh, lead belief therapist, and most importantly, my mom.
1: Hi, once again here we are.
0: <laughs> well, we're like episode four. We are just diving in, and it's been uh, I love being hanging out in my closet in every closet. week. <laughs> She has been lecturing me on my obsession with shoes. So. And purses. (laughs) And purses.
1: So anyway, so we have been... Although I must admit her husband's side of the closet is almost as much as her side of the closet, which is unusual for a man. And
0: his is messier, which is not unusual for a man, I don't feel like. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, speaking of spouses, (laughs) we have been working through a series called Marriage Broken Together. And I just feel like it has been a very eye-opening, I guess... Perspective checking experience for me, for sure. Um, I mean, we have talked about all kinds of things. You know, the um, I guess the point and the purpose of this series is that you know, we on our wedding day, we're standing there with all these hopes and dreams and expectations of what life is going to look like, but in the reality. Two broken, wounded people are coming together as one, which is naturally a recipe for... Disaster. <laughs> P.S. It is terrible going to weddings with my... <laughs> Don't ever go to a wedding with a marriage counselor. <laughs> but um anyway, disaster is a little bit of a strong word, <laughs> but... but Definitely
1: sets up for unmet expectations. Right. You, you get married and then a year or two into it and you say, I didn't sign up for this. And because your expectations were different when you got married to what true reality is yes. when you're in the trenches of it.
0: Yes. And so then there's wounds and unforgiveness and resentment and all that stuff builds up.
1: That we bring together broken. Yes.
0: And so the question becomes, how do we live broken together. So we have talked about things like understanding our brokenness and where all that comes from. Last week, we talked about covenant marriage versus contract marriage, and really at the center of those different mentalities. Well, why don't you talk just briefly about that like what is the main difference between those two mentalities because I think it's important to understand I mean if you didn't listen to last week's episode I recommend
1: you go back and listen because it's awesome Um, but briefly like what I think the biggest difference between contract marriage and covenant marriage is that a contract marriage is made for yourself to protect yourself to have a service or something given to you that you come into the marriage expecting to get, and when you don't get it, then you can break that contract. A covenant marriage is created and made for the other person so that you are there to serve them, and it's also before God. You make a covenant before God, and then you also, in the vows, you make a covenant to each other. And so the covenant cannot be broken. It's not just something, well, if I don't get it, I can leave. It's, all right, I'm in this, and we're in this for the get-go, mm-hmm. until death us do part. And so then it's knowing that and then working at your marriage. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I loved what you said last week. I think it was something like, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like marriage is really a gift of giving yourself or something like that. Did I say that right?
1: I don't remember <laughs> saying that. Maybe I could have. But yeah, I mean, marriage... Um, marriage the purpose of marriage is not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. And by holy, it means to come under the, other, your spouse and lift them up and serve them in such a way that you bring glory to God. Yeah. So, um, so this all sounds awesome.
0: And I would imagine a lot of, you know, everybody listening would be like, yes, you know, that intellectually. Yes, absolutely. You know, I can, I can get on board with that, but, um, I think the real question that, you know, we're going to talk about today and really dive into is, okay, how do you, how do you do this? Like, how do you move from this contract mentality that is very much self-focused? It has conditions like, if you do this, then I will do that. How do you move from that mentality to the mentality that God really calls us to in covenant marriage which is not self seeking, which is others focused or spouse focused, and is really I mean, it's really unconditional and it's really to be a model of the way um you know Christ loves yeah and the yeah. way that Christ loves the church. Right. Um exactly. and so like what
1: what does that look like to how do how do we do that? <laughs> That's a question I get all the time. People want to know how. Give me seven steps so that I can practice those seven steps and my marriage will be better. But I can give you all the practical how-tos of the world, but because your marriage is one spiritually that the only way that that will truly happen the how will happen when you have a heart change or a spirit change and then continue to walk down the path seeking the the truth of God's word to be able to live as Christ lived yeah, yeah. so i um you know so really what we're talking about
0: today is is being transformed right transformation because i think this too i think sometimes We can even do religious, quote unquote, behavior modification where we try to muster up, you know, patience or forgiveness or whatever. But like if we don't have that true inside transformation and heart change that we might be able to do those things for a a period of time. But our love runs out and our ability and you know, it's just not enough, especially when, um, you know, things do get really, really hard. That's where this transformation piece and um the heart change piece that we're gonna be talking about today is really important,
1: wouldn't you would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because I I see couples that come into my office that have been through counseling where they learned the Seven Steps in the Seven Habits, and they do that for a year or two, and then they're right back into fighting with one another and saying, we thought we figured this out, but here we are once again in a marriage counselor's office. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm all about being transformed rather than behavior modification.
0: Yeah. So when, when we're talking about hard change and transformation, what do you feel like is the... Like, where does it start? Like, what's the root... Where, where does all of this process
1: of transformation begin? Well, There's several places to start, but I think where I want to start with is that true heart change comes from believing that the words of God are life-giving and will give you a new perspective to live from. I constantly tell my clients, when you change the way you look at things, and I think I might have even said this before, but I can't say it enough, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so, how do you change the way you look at things? And that's with the Word of God, and believing that the Word of God will give you a new perspective on how to look at your spouse or your circumstances.
0: Yeah, I really feel like that is such an important piece that, you know, we don't, I guess, sit with enough is, okay, do I really believe that the words that, that God gives us are life-giving? Like, I think sometimes we have this mentality of like, okay, I want to do it this way. I know God tells me to do it this way, but I don't like this way. Because it's not my way. Because it's not my right. way. Right. And so we we do, like, we don't really believe that these words are going to be the better way, that right. these are the life-giving words that have the power to transform relationships and all of that. Right.
1: So, um, yeah, I think that's, Right. And and a heart change also comes from the process of sanctification and that's a big Christian East kind of term, but sanctification is truly the process of thinking, feeling and acting like yourself, your flesh, to thinking, feeling, and acting more like Christ. And the more you live out of that perspective, Alrighty. and know that that's the journey is going from flesh which is the, getting your needs met separate and apart from God to living for God not for yourself because if you uh, remember from a former um, episode um, I have said over and over again that the DNA of sin is self yeah, and we're self-focused and self-centered. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I think it well I, de- I definitely feel like it's we need to mention here, uh, because we are, what we're talking about here is loving with a love that's greater than us, forgiving um, with forgiveness that feels um, just impossible for us to do in our own strength. And I think before we dive into this conversation at all, we have to realize that without without Christ, Christ, this is impossible. So if you're sitting here and you're like, well, you know, I just can't do any of uh, I just can't do any of this you know I, think, well, I don't
1: feel like doing any of this I mean
0: I think the first thing you have to ask yourself is okay have I experienced unconditional love and forgiveness through salvation through trusting Christ as my savior right. because none of the none of this is possible without that first um you know, the first step, yes, without the first step of placing our faith in Jesus Christ, because, you know, you cannot, you can't give out of an empty cup or give out of something that you haven't experienced for yourself. So if I haven't experienced the awesome and unconditional love of Christ, if I haven't experienced overwhelming forgiveness that, you know, is totally undeserved then I'm not going to be able to give those things right. to my spouse. So I think it's important to really sit with that and say, have I experienced grace for myself? Have I experienced forgiveness? Have I experienced these things? Because if you haven't experienced them for yourself, then you're like a used car salesman, essentially. <laughs> like you're selling something that you don't believe in. Right. Really. Right. And so, I, I mean, to me, I think that's, where transformation has
1: to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's because when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, God will send you the Holy Spirit to live yeah. with you and to be with you and to be able to have that connection and that relationship, not religion. Not a list of to-dos, but a list of of bees, being transformed, being loved, being encouraged by Christ through the Word. I, I counsel 999 percent with the Word of God because this is what's going to transform you. It's going to give you the new perspective to be able to look at your spouse. Okay. Okay. And then I gotta admit that, and and also say, um, I wish I could wave a wand and go bibbity bobbity boo, and you both would be. Madly in love with one another and... Completely
0: not self-seeking. Right.
1: (laughs) But unfortunately, the process is not instantaneous. That's why it's called a process, okay? Because the Holy Spirit will inhabit your spirit, okay? But your soul and body need to be brought under the Spirit's control. Now, what do I mean by that? Basically, for 42 years of my life, my soul... Alrighty, and my body got my messages from the world because i was not connected spiritually to god. And through so what, Christ. yeah,
0: so what what were some of those messages that you got like not being you said you weren't connected
1: to no, god. No, not so. at all. And so i had to do it myself. I looked in all of the wrong places for love which um at some point in time got me god brought me to the end of myself and said how's it working for you and yeah. it wasn't, you know. And so i um, remember one instance where I had drank too much and drugged too much, and um, I woke up for just a second, and a par- two paramedics were on either side of me dragging me along. And, and it was at that moment I said, God, if you're really real, you're going to have to show me because I'm tired of living like this. Yes. Yeah. And so um, made that connection, and, and little bit by little bit, he began to show me that he was real through people, through circumstances, through opportunities that I had to hear the message of the gospel, and uh, I haven't looked back. Yeah, and I know as your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, just watching, I
0: mean, you were talking about, you know, our soul and our body being brought under the Spirit's control. I mean, you were definitely the first in our family to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. And just as your daughter, I guess I was, I don't know, in the 11, 12 range, Mm -hmm. um, just seeing the changes in you that you weren't so angry all the time and um, definitely
1: more patient and willing to... Look at myself. I became willing to look at myself and, yeah. and search within. And b- bottom line, it um, for me, I believe I was born to twirl and skip and hop, and I had lost that over the years, and because of you know life, because of life in this world. And uh, I always tell people that Jesus put the skip back in my step, and I twirl. I now I can't twirl now because my knees are too bad. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it just. Uh, it changed my life.
0: Yeah. And I think in thinking about you and dad and just the story of your marriage, um, the whole idea of, you know, I think one of the keys to your marriage for both of you eventually was that you were both willing to, like you, you that shift between the contract mentality versus the covenant, that you were both willing to look at yourselves and Admit the disconnects that you are responsible for in the marriage. And then also um, being able to ins- getting the focus off of yourself and looking at, right. okay, what are the needs of my of my spouse? And that transformation was slow and it still goes on. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't
1: arrived. <laughs> you know? She yeah. has not
0: arrived. <laughs> <laughs> but to see where, you know, because I had a front row See See for all of it, all the yelling, all of the fights, all of the disconnect, all of the disconnect, you know, um, but to see the power um, and the transformation and healing and freedom that is available to those that believe like, hey, if you do what God says, these really are. Words that will bring life and freedom and to see where you guys are now having celebrated your 50th wedding anniversary. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful celebration. Um, But it wasn't because everything has always been hunky dory, no problems. It's because y'all have walked through the fire and just come out.
1: Better on the other side, and we're we're also we're committed to the covenant. We're committed to the covenant we made to each other, but then also because of our love for God, being committed to Him as well. Yeah, you know.
0: Okay, Mom, I'm gonna throw out this phrase to you, Um, and the phrase is this: it's put off and put on. Okay, and you hear it. So I feel like some people have heard that phrase before. Put off the old self and put on the new. All right. Could you talk a little bit about that, what it means, and then, like, how that applies to marriage?
1: Sure. Um, First and foremost, in order to put off or put on anything, the first thing that is important to change is your attitude. Okay? And... You know, I think Charles Swindoll has a poem out there about attitude, and he says life is 10% what happens to us and 90% the attitude with which we respond to what happens Mm -hmm. to us. And I think that there definitely is truth in that. Yeah, that's good. But to, to be truly transformed... God desires that first we may be made new in the attitudes of our minds. That's in Ephesians four twenty-three. That says that we are to be made new in the attitude of our minds. The other scripture that basically talks us about talks to us about attitude is Philippians five. I'm sorry, Philippians two five through twelve, and there God is instructing us to have the attitude of that of Christ Jesus, who being very nature God humbled himself, and to paraphrase, it, I'm not going to go through all 12 scriptures, but to paraphrase it, he became a servant, but it took humbling himself. And that's, I think, one of the greatest things or the most important things as far as changing your attitude, humbling yourself to stoop down, get yourself out of the way, and then serve. Yeah, Yeah. and I think it's interesting that, you know, that
0: humility and Mm -hmm. servant servant's attitude, um, is just the, the attitude we're supposed to have in marriage. And then I think about, you know, Jesus washing his disciples feet that, I mean, this is like the last message, the The last message, the last thing he's telling his people before he goes to the cross and he could have done anything. Like he could have said, do this, do this, do this, do this, but what he went with is okay I've made an example for you just as I am serving you now go and serve others and I think that points back to what we're talking about in marriage is that we're we're called to serve our spouses not get from now when we get from them that's icing on the cake and it's trust me
1: it feels awesome well I I think that it can be a twofold street where and my husband teaches us this in our marriage class where he He says that I, I as a husband, have a responsibility to come under my wife and lift her up and serve her. But then my wife, she has a responsibility to come under me, meaning him, and serve me. So it's different than... They're not meeting my needs, so I'm out of here. It's, I'm here to serve my husband. I'm going to come under him. And then he says, I'm, ha- I'm here to serve my wife and come under him. And so you're both getting your needs met. But because of our sin nature, we don't think of it that way. We think of self. Yeah. And that's the big thing that gets in the way, changing that perspective from self to serving. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Okay. So attitude of our minds. What else, when you hear put off and put on? Okay. What, what does that look like? The very first thing is to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. But so then where does that attitude come from? Okay. And it says in Second Corinthians 3, verse 18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image. See, we're being transformed into His image, not our own fleshly mm-hmm. image, with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, so and what I love about this um, concept of putting off and putting on is that God didn't only mention this once in His scriptures; He mentioned it several times. Yeah, he he. Um, uh, what's the word I want to use? He he focused on uh, putting off and putting on for a whole chapter in Colossians. So, yeah, Alicia, I'd like to see if maybe you can flush that out and talk a little bit about that as far as. Putting off, or reading, at least reading the scriptures that I. Yeah,
0: this idea of putting what things are we supposed to put off and what things are we supposed to put on. So this is in Colossians um, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And then it just goes into all of these things that it says we're to put to death. Um, It says put to death things like um, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, meaning sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, um, different things like that, because that's not who you are anymore. So he says live um, in a way that it looks like the spirit that you have living inside of you. It talks about not lying to each other. Um, uh, again, because that's no longer who you are. And then it skips down to verse 12 and it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity you know as I'm reading that I think I think of my my husband and how much more personal it is um when I kind of um, insert his name where the each others are. Like if I say, bear with Carrie and forgive Carrie. If um, any of you have grievance against Carrie, forgive as the Lord forgave you or forgive Carrie as the Lord has forgiven you. All of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And I think if we really... I guess, just rested in this put-off, put-on idea, and we and we thought about that towards our spouse. Because sometimes I feel like our spouse is the hardest one to, to do look, that right. for. Right, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always say if we treated our friends the way we treat our spouses, we probably wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> so that's why this is so important in marriage, you yeah. know, to, to truly... Remember because as you put off and then put on what you're going to find is that you have uh spiritual peace and basically I call it vertical peace because to the degree you have vertical peace between you and God is the degree then that you'll be able to look out at your spouse and have horizontal peace with your spouse yeah. in the circumstances. Wow, that's really yeah. that's really good. Yeah, I think um
0: you know, I think that the other piece that we kinda touched on earlier is You know, not only doing these things that Colossians tells us to do, because again, I feel like in our flesh, in our own strength, we can maybe pull it off for a little while. But it really is that piece about um, setting our minds on things above, above. because without what you just so eloquently put, without that vertical connection or that vertical piece, we can't extend that.
1: we can't give
0: what we don't have to our mind. So if we need that piece of setting our minds on things above, if that's what makes all of this possible to clothe ourselves in compassion and kindness and humility and all those things towards our spouse, like what does that look like to set our minds on things above? Like, I mean, that's very like, I don't know, Bible-y phrase. (laughs) Let's flesh
1: that. Let's take some time to kind of flesh that out. What Uh, is that? That's a great question, Alicia, but I'd really like to throw that back at you. Oh, man. I I think you know the answer to that. And so... um, I want people to see that you, in and of your own strength, are an outstanding counselor and know the word and are able to. Encourage. She's been trying
0: to get me into a counselor's office yeah. <laughs> for quite
1: some time. Who
0: knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said I would never work in ministry, and mm-hmm. here I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> so answer
1: your own question.
0: Well, I—I I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if this is the right answer or not, but I know for me, I can speak to what. Um, what it means to me in my mind to set my mind on things above is just, I think of this idea of we imitate those that we hang around. right? And so if I'm, if I am not spending time with my father in whatever way that looks like, um, then I'm not going to be, an, I'm not going to imitate him in my vertical, I mean, horizontal relationships. Right. um, And, and, and I guess I mean it so much more than like, oh, I need to make sure I'm praying every day and having my quiet time every day. Because again, I think, I think it's a mindset in terms of, if you believe that this stuff that we believe is really real, okay, we are not, Worshiping a set of principles, or we're not worshiping a book. We are worshiping and imitating the God of I mean, the book, and right. He is a living God. Right. And so there's relationship and intimacy available to us. But if we treat our relationship with God like a to do list,
1: then what I mean. Then you're going to be to doing in your flesh and not walking in the spirit with like
0: a little Bible stamp on top of it. And so I guess for me, setting my mind on things above looks like intimacy with Jesus and cultivating that whatever way that looks like. I mean, for me, it it is my quiet time in the morning before the kids get up and before I, you know, really say a whole bunch of words to my spouse. Like I am better on the days That I am waking up with a word. Now, that doesn't have to be everybody. Like, there was a season when my kids were really little. And you didn't have time. I didn't have time. I was just trying to keep my head above water. But I realized that if this is life, if this is really the key, then, like, I would turn off my radio and talk to God in the car. Or, like, if I wanted to exercise, like, instead of having on, like, my hip-hop Music where I put on worship music and and talk to Jesus while I was walking or while I was running, finding ways to set your mind on things above. Because I feel like people are really quick to lose that peace, and then stuff kind of starts like falling apart. falling apart, and they wonder
1: they they, they basically say this stuff like, doesn't work
0: or I don't understand why this is happening. It's like yeah. well. You can't imitate someone you don't know, right. And so it's it's so much more than just a checklist of religious disciplines. It is those are avenues to intimacy with the living God. And it's right. that that's where the transformation and the heart change happens is soaking all of that in for ourselves that then we can give it out to our spouse and if we are not soaking it in then we definitely can't give it out absolutely and i know the days
1: when i can't give it out right for sure i think also um fixing your eyes on things above there's a scripture in second corinthians that talks about um focus not on what is seen but what is unseen in other words um, use your spiritual senses to be aware of God's creation and his presence in your life. That that always uh, helps me to be able to stay connected to him, that it's not just about being in his word, because he reveals himself in other places other than the word, and that is in his creation. So I always try to encourage people that when you are going in and coming out of your day or with your kids or wherever it is, to be aware of your spiritual senses and to um breathe in and uh maybe um see be still be that's st- a big one for me <laughs> i have to be
0: still right, right. <laughs> or
1: just when i'm driving in the car uh and a, and um a flock of geese fly in front of my car or overhead that just is a reminder to me that you know, he created them, and he's there, and he always puts geese in my in my way, and I love their honking. It's like they're going, honk, honk, good morning, Abby. But isn't
0: that neat that God, like, is so personal that, like, he speaks to you? Through the geese. But I think that's the point, is that, like, this relationship that we have with the living God is meant to be enjoyed. Right. It yeah. is, like, I think we need to flip our words, even in talking about, like, with our marriages, is... I know that I have heart transformation when I I believe that uh, when I use words like I get to and I get to participate and can, not operating out of I should or I have to do this because this is what the Bible, you know. Right. And and that's really where I I see the transformation. Like, I'll have people ask me, like in Bible study, like, well, you know, I want to be closer to God. How do I do that? And I was like, well... I always ask. I always throw the question back at them, like, "Well, what do you enjoy doing with God?" And it's like they don't. They don't even know. They don't even know. So it's like, okay, if I'm looking to set my mind on things above, what do I enjoy doing with the Lord? Like for me, I love going on walks. I got go on walks, and I just vomit out everything that's on my mind, and then I get quiet, and I listen, and I love that. And I love to see the way God speaks to me throughout the day from there. But again, I just, I don't know. I feel like for so long, because I was a believer from the time that I was 13 years old. And I feel like for so long, I mean, I would definitely have called myself a Christ follower. But I just miss that piece of it's God's life flowing through me as opposed to what I think I was doing was I was trying to measure up and do enough and muster up enough forgiveness so that, like, I would look like a good Christian or, you know, put on enough patience because that's what I was supposed to do and I didn't want God to be angry at me. Right. And it's just a whole—it's so hard to explain, but it's just a whole different—
1: It's a different approach. And a different
0: experience. Right. So I did want to share something. I've been reading this book by Ann Voskamp, and it's um, the title of the book is Waymaker. And in one of the chapters, she kind of talks about what we've been talking about, about being transformed, where we're no longer looking for um, to be self-seeking, mm-hmm. and that when we lose self, um, we gain joy. And so she talks about one of her chapters where she's, um, having trouble with intimacy with her husband and she ends up in a counselor's office, which, you know, is pretty normal. Um, she actually starts the chapter. She says, uh, revelations like you can't figure out the way to con- consummate your marriage can very well land you in therapy, which I think is true. And anyway, kind of the result of this, um, therapy sessions, um, is very much the same theme that we've been talking to. Um, her counselor said this to her: it "says When you're all wrapped up in you, it's going to be hard to wrap around him, or let him wrap you
1: up in his arms." That's so good. That is just isn't so that so good? True, because if you're so self focused, you know, there's no room for you to serve your spouse.
0: Yep. And then she, um, then she goes on to say things like this, she says, where we forget ourselves, we find exactly what we are looking for, joy. And she used this, the therapist used this comparison that according um, to research, I'm just going to read this, according to research, research has discovered to be some of the keys of happiness. Um, We are the happiest when we are standing before some natural wonder like the Grand Canyon, we are the happiest when we are in a deeply creative zone, what they call the flow. And we are the happiest when we are deeply intimate with our spouse. And basically what the result of that research was that all of those, the thing that all of those had in common was the fact in each of these instances of complete happiness, what is, happen- what is happening is that we are completely forgetting ourselves. Right. And that's really what we've been talking about. And Ann Voskamp just puts so... I love her writing. Yeah, it really is good. I'm a little
1: ADD for, for all of it, but I can take pieces of it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll finish with this. She says, you're in the zone of happiness only when you are in the zone of self. And how true is that for marriage? You're in the zone of happiness. Um, you're in the zone of happiness only when you leave the oh, zone. Oh, okay, when, no, okay. when you leave the
1: zone. Okay, I thought you said when you're in the zone.
0: No, when you leave the zone of self. And how pertinent that is to marriage, right. that marriage is more life-giving when um, we leave the zone of self. of self. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. Right.
1: Bottom line, I think what both of are trying to say here is that we God desires when you set your eyes on things above and, and not hear the world that we ultimately become instruments of peace. And I can always tell when my focus is on things above because I have that peace, that vertical peace, which then allows me to th- put out on horizontal peace, rather than being instruments of wickedness or living my life in such a way that I hurt people instead of encouraging people. That's awesome.
0: Okay, it's Counselor's Corner time. Again, Counselor's Corner um, is the segment of our podcast where listeners can... Email us a question and about relating to anything family life. It doesn't necessarily have to be what we were talking about in this episode, um, which this one I don't think really is. Um, and we're going to tackle it kind of dear Abby style. <laughs> <Are> <laughs> well, I am
1: not, and give disclaimer I am not dear Abby.
0: So um, you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Okay. So Amy asked this question. All right. Let me, um, she writes, she says, what do I do when my husband and I disagree on parenting decisions?
1: Great question. I need to listen to this one. (laughs) Um, The the question could really be, what do we do when my husband and I disagree on anything? (laughs) So true. (laughs) But let's put, Put it with parenting, um, and I might have already said this, but this is truly um, a way to resolve conflict in your marriage. Or, and we're going to do a whole podcast on, on conflict. conflict resolution. Right. So, right. so give us the teaser. Okay. Well, the the teaser on this is is that uh, Satan or the world gets us to put any problem now, this specifically this problem on parenting satan gets us to put the problem between the two of us and we face one another and we argue well like i think my way is the better way you think your way is the better way the basic conflict in parenting oftentimes is called pseudo conflict p-s-e-u-d-o and pseudo conflict basically has to do with methods and the the, if i can give you an example my husband and i are given um, two weeks to get to florida and I take the whole two weeks and go all over the place and visit my friends, but at the end of the two weeks, I am at the designated spot in Florida. My husband, on the other hand, works 12 of the 14 days, and he then maps it out in a straight line. At the end of the two weeks, he's there in Florida. Now, the question becomes, who's right? Whose style is right? And that's what you're arguing over in parenting styles. Okay, and so the, the answer to the question is who's right? It's we both are. We both have uh, got to the goal, but we got there differently. So to take the problem of parenting and not put it between the two of you, and remember you're not the enemy, your spouse is not the enemy, but to put it out in front of you and then sit and stand side by side and look at the problem and then come up with, all right, There's great qualities about the way that I got to Florida. I enjoyed myself, blah, blah, blah. I achieved the the end goal. My husband got to Florida in a straight line. And so what you do is you talk about and pick out, hey, this would be good. And then you you come together. Yeah, I think you're
0: attacking the problem. Instead of each other. Instead of each other. Because I think, I know... Um there've been times like I can remember one of the biggest things that my husband and I disagreed on was where we were going to send our kids to school. I felt very strongly about one school, he felt very strongly that it was too expensive and unnecessary. And it was really something that we locked we locked horns with. Horns with. Mm-hmm. And um you know, and there were times where I mean, I could feel the difference of when we started attacking each other and not the issue at hand instead right. of putting the problem out in front of us and having conversation um you know about okay what is the what is
1: the compromise or what is the solution and the solution ultimately is taking the best of both of you because you both have and we oftentimes parent from the way we were parented or 180 degrees opposite of the way we were parented so it's really important to be aware of those issues that you bring into the parenting style and, and so it's if you are married to someone who is very structured and strict and you are the kind of like a helicopter mom where you hover and you want to do everything for them, it's understanding that there's a balance in that because love minus law, okay, you have a child who is spoiled and whatever right. okay but law minus love you have a it will bring about a rebellious child Yeah. and so it's love plus law which is the key word there yeah. is balance and so if you are two different parenting styles writing down the good parts of each style just yeah. like there were good parts of my husband and I achieving our goal to get to Florida and then you have compromise or, or you yeah. agree on it. Yeah.
0: And I think the other key piece to that is what is your motive? Like you always ask me, do you want to be right or do you want to be reconciled? Right. And so when we're putting the problem out in front of us and attacking it together, The heart is to be reconciled. And so there's a lot of prayer and asking the Lord to direct to unify our hearts. I mean, I know in that conflict with my kids in school, there was a lot of praying on both of our sides of Lord change, just unify our hearts in whichever manner this is that you want for our kids and I think that's so key because instead of me praying for God to change his mind or vice versa it was Lord bring us into Cons- unity right. and when that is your motive to have reconciliation or to be unified, that's going to change how you navigate things. If you're just like, "Well, I need to be right, yeah. <laughs> and I need him to change because right. I need to be right," and so when we can let go of that need, I think it really helps us navigate through some of those decisions that right. we butt we butt heads on. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.